to you, music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists all across the fruited plane. It is great to have you here today. Hi, Jeff. Hi, what a nice intro that was. Good job, Pop. How about this? Hi, how are you? (laughs) And Jeff, just so you know, I've decided to -hmm. do this podcast with half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. Well, we all know you have talent on loan from God, so... I do. What are we going to do? And uh, after all, you're you're just this big, tough guy, but you're really just a, what does he say, a harmless, lovable little fuzzball. Yeah. And for those of you in Rio Linda, we're we talking obviously about? talking about <laughs> the mighty, mighty, mighty Rush Limbaugh. Welcome to... Pop and Jay, specialist, special episode. What's it all about, Jeff? Yeah, a little bit of a different kind of an episode because uh, we had things going on today, but we wanted to record this today. So, Pop Why today? Today today is a month since Rush Limbaugh passed away. And so uh, we wanted to commemorate well, we've wanted to do a show about him since he passed away, and, you know, it takes a while for us to do a podcast anymore, but um had to be done by today, so we did it. We just did it a little bit different, so for any of you who decided to come on, tune into this episode, hear why this guy is so important to Pop and myself, uh, we're glad you're here. And we hope you enjoy a little bit of a different take. We each recorded our own uh, little, I don't know if it's a eulogy or whatever, just a, our own little... How about soliloquy? Yeah. Yeah, our own thoughts. And I thought, I thought earlier how interesting it is that neither of you, neither you nor I have ever done our podcast that way. But Rush, he recorded his show that way all the time. I mean, he did take guests or, you know, he took phone calls from listeners. Of course, sometimes he tried so hard to get to them in the first hour, as we know. <laughs> but he did. That just didn't always happen. And that's because he's so good at talking. I mean, when you're the smartest man in America, or the most dangerous man in America. <clears throat> and I mean, it, it was uh, the fastest three hours in radio. In media, that's true. And um, it really yeah. was. My gosh. And we'll see you again in 21 hours. Ugh, I miss all of it. But uh, you and I had to do that for a few minutes. And it was weird for me just trying to talk to myself and just thinking about how he always did that. And, um, yeah, so you'll hear we each recorded our own thoughts about Rush. And there's a few clips in there as well, um, some stuff that we each – I mean – to be honest, this episode could be just like like what they're doing right now with this show. They're they're just clip shows basically with um, the guest hosts tying it to the news of the day, and and it can go on for years and years and years and years because there's so much that Rush has said, and there's so much to say about him. Like it would, I did well, so many things in my talk. Like I was, I was thinking, I told you, neither of us mentioned the fact that he's deaf. He's a hundred percent deaf. 
he went deaf like before I even started listening to him. And mm. I think, I mean, I don't well, know. I don't know when he, let me, let me look real quick. I'll check when he got his cochlear implants. Yeah. Whenever it was that he got them, <clears throat> um, you wouldn't have known a difference, or at least I certainly didn't with Rush. And you'd think for somebody who wanted to be a broadcaster his entire life, since he was like a tiny kid. I mean, for most people, it's like the tiniest setback just throws you off your entire game and you use that as an excuse and everything. And no, uh, even making him deaf, like, it didn't keep him from being the top radio show in the nation for three decades. He couldn't hear. (laughs) He got his cochlear implant surgery in 2002. So I started listening to Rush in 2000. So he was oh, going wow. deaf before that cochlear implant. Yeah. So that's almost two, if, by a wide margin, the majority of his broadcasting career to over 20 or almost yeah. 20. Yeah. So anyway. Well, one thing when it, that I, I think we talked about it, but we each did uh, a solo recording. Well, Rush passed away on February 17th, which was Ash Wednesday. Um, and we were, we were recording this one month later, March 17th. And your audio recording was 17 minutes. And I'll be damned if mine wasn't also 17 minutes. And that's just weird. Yeah, you'll hear in my little talk there. I think there's a lot of quote-unquote weirdness. And, you know... I, he meant so much to me. I, when he announced a year ago that he had lung cancer, I was hit so hard. I remember telling you like, listen, I don't care when and where it happens. When he passes away, I'm stopping what I'm doing. I'm driving to Florida. I will show my respect for this, this person. Like he's not just the person I listen to. He's not like anybody else I listen to or look up to at all. He's different. It's always been different. He's like, he's my family and he's such a close member of my family. And I do care about other, there's a lot of talk show hosts that I really like and listen to. There's a lot of authors that I like and look up to. I mean, yeah, Rush is like a, like a, like a priest, like he's not a priest, but I mean, he's like a spiritual leader and he's a, he's inspiring and he's, he's just so much. He really is this, larger than life person and you'll hear me talk about how I feel like that ties into when he died but I do we do have to go because now it's getting late and I have to go put my monsters down but we just wanted to intro this at least together and um, Pop I love all the that you had to the perspective you got to bring about him as well what you said I think everybody will hear was Great, because there's so much to say about opposition to him and how profoundly ignorant people are. Yeah. Sorry, there's one more thing I didn't mention, which was Mark Stein, who was a really regular fill-in host for him. Probably another one of those people is in my list of celebrities who I, I think of in a kind of profound way. Like, I really look up to Mark Stein. I think he's just amazing. And he wrote a really, really great um, eulogy-ish uh, 
piece, an essay about Rush on the day he died. It's called The Indispensable Man, which, by the way, is true. Like, he really is not, there's, you can't, indispensable means not replaceable, right? Or you can't do enough them or something like that. Yeah, indispensable. Yeah, so, uh, but there's one part from this that I just wanted to point out. It was when Mark Stein first started guest hosting for uh, Rush. Mark Stein, if you don't know, is, where's he from originally? Well, he's he's a Canadian citizen, but he's been a lot of time in. Because he was born in. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in uh, the United Kingdom, in Britain. So, um, for almost a third of a century, he says, Russia's audience was over half the total Republican vote. How many do all you genius Republic reformers bring to the table? I've recounted previously the first time I was asked to guest host back in 2006 when I happened to be down in Australia. And the Prime Minister, John Howard, asked me to some other, some or other event a day or two hence. And I politely declined, saying I had to get back to America to host the Rush Limbaugh show. I hear that's a pretty big show, said the Prime Minister. Yeah, I replied, 25, 30 million listeners. It's true, said Mr. Howard. Rush has more listeners than we have Australians. <laughs> that just to me. It's so funny to me that <laughs> how many people really it is. Crikey. 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 And, and, you know, um, he truly and honestly was having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. He said that all the time. You could just tell it was infectious. He absolutely loved what he did, and that's why he was so great. Um, mm-hmm. One last thing. I, I saw somebody posted something that made me think really hard. Uh, this person on the Internet, I wish I don't know their name, but said, uh, on that day, the day that he died, uh, this person said, this is the day talk radio died. And at first you just want to say that was hyperbolic, but if you think about, think about, you know, uh, the day the music died, that song was, that poem was about Buddy Holly and the greats and all that. And, and it was very nostalgic kind of like things just aren't going to be the same anymore. And that's what this is. There's still some incredible talent like Mark Levin and others that are just off the charts, but it's not going to be the same. It's just not. No. And every day still, I, you know, I, I think I talked about how that day I got up like every other day and I wanted to see if he was going to be able to be on because he wasn't on that much in the last few months, but he was on sometimes. And it's that itch. I just, what is Rush going to say about this? You know, he never had like a Twitter account like other people do. You had to tune into his show to hear his thoughts. He didn't comment like other people. Sometimes you'd go on like Fox and Friends or like every now and then he would do an appearance somewhere else and you'd get something on the weekends, like especially when things were really like (laughs) hot and heavy political times. But yeah, for the most part, you know, you just, that's what you do. You tune in and you get to hear it. And it's always surprising. I can't tell you, I've never been surprised by a person so many times. You, you, you think you're like, yeah, I think I know how he's going to cover this. And then you're like, what? And then something like Operation Chaos comes and you're like, how did you think of that? 
or even like I assumed he was going to um, put his support behind Ted Cruz because like, come on. I mean, he's so conservative. I was, I was out there dumping for Cruz and Rush didn't tell you not to. He, of course, he liked Senator Cruz, you know, he's great, but he had it in his pocket. He knew, you know, he, he, he just, he could see the stitches on the fastball as he would say. And yeah. he really, he, he knew politics so much differently than other people he knows the left better than they know themselves. Like he knows them and, and he, he would, he would go to his grave saying that he did feel unfulfilled because his goal was always to, to convince everyone of who the left really was. And, you know, I know it was disappointing to him that this 2020 election and everything that happened was, it was, it was disappointing in a lot of ways, but God has a plan and, um, and I know Rush trusted that too. And, and I'm so glad he got to live through four years of Trump. What a amazing four years it was getting to hear Rush cover Trump. Oh, yeah. I'm so grateful. And, and I will say, I know you're going to play a clip from his last show, that last caller. Yeah. And that's just beyond amazing. But uh, for those of you that heard his end of year monologue that he did on December 23rd, I believe. Um, that was his real goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I, I would urge everyone read the transcript, but better yet, listen to it. And just a little snippet from it. He said back in late January, when I received this diagnosis, I was shocked. I was stunned. And I was in denial for about a week. I mean, I'm Rush Limbaugh. I'm Mr. Big of the vast right-wing conspiracy, I mean, I'm indestructible. This can't be right. But it was right. And anyway, he went on and on, and and he made this uh, analogy about Lou Gehrig. And for those of you who don't know that story, uh, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he was one of the most beloved baseball players in in the world and he got up at Yankee Stadium I believe and just gave a short little talk and and he actually said uh, that he considered himself the luckiest man in the world and Rush talked about that in his going away monologue before Christmas and he said he never really understood what Derek meant by that because he said, What do you mean? You got a terminal diagnosis, and, and that's kind of what he framed it on. And he says he now completely understood that. So, whatever else sadness we may feel, he wasn't sad, he was grateful, and he knew that it was right and it was God's will. And he said, this is it. And I think that's maybe the best example that he ever set for anything. Maybe helping people think about memento mori, think of your own death, right? Because as you say, we're all, you know, we're all going and no one gets out of here alive, except the Blessed Virgin Mary. So anyway, just wanted to throw that in. There's so much we could say, but we'll uh, 
<clears throat> we hope you enjoy what we what we did say, and yeah. we will uh, we will we will have another episode soon. And um, yes, go listen to some of his podcasts, even still coming out, because you'll you'll get to hear a lot of wisdom and humor and entertainment. Because he was an entertainer first and foremost, and he did such a great job at that. So yes, so God bless. Rush Limbaugh, good luck all of you. Move forward uh, with excellence, whether it's in broadcasting or whatever you do. Excellent. Greetings to you, music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists all across the fruited plain. It's Rush Limbaugh behind the golden EIB microphone, telephone number 800 282 2882. So, what about this guy? America's truth detector, the doctor of democracy, the mayor of Realville. Honestly, um, those titles, I they're funny, and he says them in his joking manner, but they're very accurate, very accurate indeed. Um, unlike so many people who give in to hyperbole and sometimes let whatever's happening in the culture current wash over them, uh, he didn't do that. He really was invested in Realville and saying it like it was, even when it wasn't popular. And that's that's truly rare. There's a reason that this man was at the top for so long. It's just unheard of. Nothing, nothing like him has ever happened or ever will. There's been a lot of sensational celebrities and people that are there for a while, and they're kind of not there anymore. And how many people tried talk radio to great fanfare. Remember the liberal disaster, Air America, uh, could not get within a thousand miles of Russia's audience uh, numbers at all. Crazy how long he lasted. And there's a reason for that. People are attracted to the truth and they're attracted to realville and that's what rush was for sure as far as truth he never said things like my truth or your truth because there's really only one truth and most of the time he was on that side of it and again like i said often when it wasn't popular or the the way to be at the time. So truth mattered a lot to him. And unfortunately, speaking truth uh, often makes you a lot of enemies. And oh Lord, <laughs> was that the case with, with Rush? Um, I remember when he got into his addiction problems, I think, what, 2003, something like that left the air for a while, went to rehab. My God, they were 
dancing on his uh, grave, even though he wasn't dead. It was, I can remember it. I remember the feeding frenzy, just vile hatred. Um, by the way, I've chosen to avoid that now that he has actually departed. Um, I know it's bad. Anecdotally, I've unfortunately seen a couple little things, but I'm not going there. I, all I can do is pray for those people. Um, it, it, it does remind me of a pretty famous quote by Fulton Sheen, who said, I'll paraphrase, uh, something like there's not 100 people in America who hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions of Americans who hate what they think is the Catholic Church. And that pretty much sums up Rush Limbaugh. Um, when I first heard, I don't have a big first moment story like some do, like Mark Steins is great, where he talks about hearing him on a radio station in the middle of nowhere up in New England. Uh, he sort of just kind of grew on me I didn't, I wasn't political when he first started. I was in the Marine Corps, <clears throat> um, absolutely committed to not being political because I was a Marine and professional and an American first. So uh, definitely a traditional American, uh, definitely conservative, even if I wasn't going around calling myself that. But he just sort of grew on me. <clears throat> and I remember it. Uh, when the haters, I think when you see the haters and the things they say and the things they do, it sort of makes you, just a person who's maybe in the middle or something, it makes you go, what? That can't be right. And so a lot of people converted, if you will, from uh, being apolitical or being on the, the left side of things or thought they were on the left side of things. For, you know, Rush would teach people truths like what a classical liberal is, which is what I pretty much am. And that is a person who's concerned with individual rights. They took the term liberal and turned it into this thing that it is now, which is anything but liberal. It's actually uh, regressive, even though they call themselves progressive. But anyway... Um, he converted so many people. There's there's no end of stories of people who said they'd always heard how awful he was until they actually listened to him. He used to say a lot, get it two weeks. You're not going to get it after one or two days. And people would call all the time and tell him, I did just what you said, and oh my gosh. So he single-handedly converted a lot of people, and that's that's a pretty big deal. And he didn't convert them by being a cult leader and saying, think what I think. He converted them by saying things that they were already thinking. Um, and that was probably his greatest gift was to make people feel like, oh, someone else gets me. Yeah, so truth was important. Um, he was just always there. Even now, it's, it's been a month to, to the day from the day that we're recording this. 
It's been a month. Prior to that, he was always there, always. Just the the presence, the bigger than life. Just you just knew it was just a fact of life that he was there somewhere, wherever you were in the country, from noon to three Eastern time. Um, you could find him. <laughs> if you had a radio, you could find him. Um, he was always there. That's so his contributions to charities, various charities, are something that are not well known. The main reason they're not well known is because he did as we're taught to do in the Bible. He often did not let his left hand know what his right hand was doing. He didn't proclaim his generosity. He just did it. And anyone who's listened to him, all remember the sprees of giving away iPads brand new iPhones, just the things he did on a regular basis for people. The man raised $47 million for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And those diseases due in large part to that money that he raised. Uh, the, the, the survival rates for leukemia and lymphoma are so high now, it used to just almost be a death sentence, and it's nothing like that now. Uh, the Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation. He personally gave them $4.2 million and helped raise a lot more than that. Um, when the, those idiots at Nike were refusing to sell a shoe that had Betsy Ross's flag on it because I guess Betsy Ross was a racist. I don't know. <clears throat> he came out with that T-shirt, the Stand Up for Betsy Ross, and he raised those millions of dollars off of his work and gave it to uh, cops and military families and people. Uh, he, uh, one one example that I just heard about recently <clears throat> from John Rich, a singer. I guess he was on Celebrity Apprentice or something, and his foundation that he was like competing for was St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Rush Limbaugh told him, I'll give you $100,000 for that on one condition, that you never tell anybody that I did. And he did not tell anyone for, I don't even know, well over a decade <clears throat> until Rush died. And then he told the world. Uh, Tunnels to Towers, the, the charity that pays off mortgages and helps veterans and uh, injured and killed veterans' families uh, get homes. And it's, it's insanity how much money he raised for that. Personally gave $2 million to that. Uh, his generosity of tipping service, just look on, don't Google, use DuckDuckGo or one of the free browsers. And by free, I mean Liberty Free. Um, <clears throat> he tipped servers like thousands of dollars and there's one famous story where <clears throat> he tipped uh, a waitress on more than one occasion $2,000 <clears throat> and she was a hardcore uh, pro-abortion lefty and so she made this big public thing about how she <laughs> was donating some of that blood money to this group that 
pays for abortions for people who can't afford an abortion. I didn't even know there was such a group, but um, <clears throat> so his generosity was was legendary. It, it just really was. Uh, anyone who really took the time to listen to him and to get to know the the real person there, uh, even if you didn't meet him in person, just from listening to him and on to others, knows that this was a very special man. This was the kind of, I guess, celebrity is the word, but maybe presence, I don't know, that comes along, you know, once in a century or more. I don't even know how to compare it. But this is speaking to people that actually know who he really was and how he really was and the things that he actually said and the things he actually did. All of us that know that, that's why there's such devotion. That's why so many people uh, are, t are just devastated by this loss because we did take the time. And for all the people who didn't and for all the people who I personally know people, <laughs> maybe even related to some people who used to think that he was just like a cult leader and he's just a, a mean, racist, blah, 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 until they listened to him for a while. And then all of a sudden they were like, wow, uh, that, that just wasn't, that just wasn't true. He's actually none of those things, none of them. So to both sides, uh, I will tell you that we lost a giant. We lost a giant of a man. Uh, we lost someone who cannot be replaced, will not be replaced. But we also gained so much from him and his years. And he strengthened America in ways that, if you stop and think about them, are, are so profound just by shoring up support from regular Americans. And like I said, saying things that we were already thinking. And then we heard him say the things that we were thinking. And we would wait over the weekends and hear what he had to say or what he thought about this or that. Because we knew the odds were pretty damn good that he was going to say and tell us that what he thinks about a thing is what we already were thinking about it. So not the way the left proclaims him as brainwashing people, quite the opposite. What he really did was he synthesized the thoughts and feelings of millions and millions of people into one big voice. As he says, the big voice on the right. One of his... Uh, funny when he uses his uh, awesome voice to inject humor and to say things in sarcastic or funny ways like that. But uh, he was. He was the big voice, the big voice on the right. And he was right. And the bumper stickers, Rush is right. Those bumper stickers are right. <laughs> so I guess what I'll, I'll just finish with is <clears throat> what I started with, those, those titles that he often used, Truth Detector, Doctor in Democracy, 
the mayor of Realville. He he was all those things, uh, not just to me. He was empirically and objectively. He was those things, and the vilification of him uh, is sort of proof in the pudding because, as the old pilots. Uh, Saying goes, you know you're over the target when you start taking flak, which is anti-aircraft fire. And Russia's always over the target. And therefore, they were always shooting at it. Always. Because his words were true. And the people who were shooting at him shrunk from the truth the way a vampire shrinks from a crucifix. So that's the proof you need. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, an amazing man, an amazing American, an amazing Christian who was open about his relationship with God. I believe if he's not there yet, he's going to be there with God in heaven. Um, He did a lot in this life. And we all owe him a lot, even if we don't know that. Trust me, we do. So, Rush, to you, my friend, uh, I'll pray for you. I'll continue to pray for your family, Catherine. Semper Fidelis, from an old retired Marine, to the mayor of Realville. God bless you, sir. Greetings and welcome back, my friends. It's great to have you here. This is Rush Limbaugh, the most listened to radio talk show in the country. You made it so. I have eternal, never-ending gratitude for all of you for so much. You have meant so much to me. You've meant so much to my family. You have meant so much to the happiness and joy that I have been able to experience You have been integral in my dreams coming true. My wildest dreams when I was a young kid pretending to be a DJ on the radio when I was eight years old. All right. So what I want to say about Rush Limbaugh. First, um, I, we both of us are recording today on the one month anniversary of his passing away. Um, he passed on Ash Wednesday and it was very impactful to me right when I found out. I try to be a devout Catholic and Ash Wednesday is such a significant day in our faith. It's the day that we begin that long Lenten journey to Calvary. We walk with Christ through the desert, knowing that death is ultimately at the end of that journey. Um, And it's not just any death. It's the death of God. God gave us life, and then we killed him. We gave him death. And Lent is supposed to be, it is a time of reflecting on that and journeying with God. We mark this reality physically, um, visibly on our foreheads. We're marked with ashes that have actually been made from the blessed palm leaves from Palm Sunday. And those palms 
where did they come from? Well, they were from the time when Jesus was being welcomed by people into the cities and they made these beautiful archways and pathways for him as he came into their towns. They waved them and they treated him as royalty. Of course he is, he's the king of the universe. But then what did they do right after that? They, they kill him in like the most brutal, degrading way imaginable. That's us. That's who we are. We welcome God. And then we, we disgrace him. Worse, we, we kill him. We abandon him with our sins, with our disobedience, with our brokenness. We, we kill him. And Ash Wednesday, we are supposed to die to ourselves. We're marked and we're reminded as we get the ashes put onto our foreheads that we are dust and to dust we shall return. So in my mind, it seems the most perfect, beautiful day that a holy person could possibly die on. It's this ultimate submission to God. And I had that thought immediately. It was the first thing that popped into my head when I heard he passed away. Um, I clicked on my phone to see um, if there was a guest host or what was going on. I work at that time in the morning, but I click it on usually to see, um, you know, the last year has been hard because he's been going through this cancer treatment. So I like to see who the guest host is going to be. Um and I saw that it was Catherine. And so I actually clicked it on. And right there in the middle of me teaching my class, I, I realized what was going on. And Catherine, I would go on to listen later in the day. Um, I would hear her deliver the news to all of us, to the, to the, his fans, as well as to the haters, to the critics, to everyone, to all of us. And it just seemed beautiful and horrible at the same time because she told us in the most fitting way you could tell us, you know, she, she's been like such a hero through all of this to me. Um, she's been on his show actually a few more times. Um, but just to deliver the news that way, I don't know. I just, death is coming for all of us, right? But Rush, he just, he's so much larger than life. And so for Rush, even someone who has been such a staple for 30 years for this country, um, by far the most successful radio show up to the point of his death, still the number one radio show by far, um, for him, who seems so untouchable, to to die on Ash Wednesday, uh, it just couldn't have been any better. I mean, if it has to happen, at least, which I guess it did, you know. He didn't live long enough in our mind at all. 70 years old, just so short. He always said... He would always say every year on his birthday that he he 
loved it. He loved getting older. He, he loved every year was better than the last. He would always say that how, how much more wisdom he would never choose to go back to be a younger version of himself or anything like that. And that always gave me a really good perspective on getting older. That was really, really unique to this culture. Our culture is so obsessed with youth and, um, he always looked forward to, he always looked forward. That's the best way to say it. Um, anyways, about Catherine telling us, she, she told us, and it was a shock because, um, his last show that he did was actually a few weeks before that, February 2nd. But, you know, as they do, the, the guest hosts were saying it's in treatment week, so he's resting. And his last show, February 2nd, was he didn't know it was going to be his last show. And she would actually go on to tell us that outright, that he he didn't know and that she's happy about that. And we should be, too, that he just performed. I mean, it's a great show. I highly recommend going back and listening to February 2nd. You you would never know. Although um, I'm going to play it on here. Um, I'm going to play it either now or at the end, um, the last caller that he ever took, I got to tell you, I think divinely inspired that that would be the last call. And uh, yeah, I'll play it right here. Okay, who's next? Uh, Gary, Cape May, New Jersey. Great to have you, sir. Hello. Thank you very much. Uh, Mega prayers, uh, Rush. Two things I want to tell you, Rush. Number one, quit apologizing. You have nothing to apologize for. If people can't keep up with what you're saying, so bad. But we understand what you're saying. Thank you, sir. Thank two, you very much. I appreciate that. And number two, over the last few weeks, I've heard you say that you feel you failed in, in getting your message out there about liberalism. I want you to know that you have absolutely not failed. You have not failed, sir. We understand. Okay? And we wish you all the best. Be well. Well, thank you. you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. So that call, I think, speaks for all of us in how we feel. And, and why is it? Why do we all feel this connection to Rush? Why why has his death hit me and so many harder than any other, quote-unquote, celebrity? Um, and that answer is simple. And it's the same. I can speak for the millions and millions and millions of his devoted fans it's the same. I know they'll say the same answer. He was my family. He is my family. Um, I have always felt that way. Like, well, not always. I have felt that way, just as he would always say, about two weeks after listening to him. So he would say, give me two weeks, listen every day, three hours a day, two weeks, and he'll change your mind. And he did. I did. I mean, I wasn't like liberal or anything, but I was hooked after two weeks. And that was the case. I I started listening to him when I was 17. So that would have been in 2000, my senior year of high school. And that November was the crazy election cycle of Bush v. Gore. And that is the year when I really remember starting to realize that my views, specifically on abortion, because that was the, that was the one that I was so solidified in, um, just, and just that view alone is enough to realize how different you are than other people. And when you have principles that you, you can't 
that that's a non-negotiable principle. You know, we don't kill babies. Uh, um, so when I would see these people who were my whole life, always people who were supposed to be better than me, smarter than me, my teachers, even a lot of people I looked up to, some of my friends, um, being pro-abortion or pro-choice, it made me really just stop and be like, wait, you you might be dumb in lots of things if you're dumb in that. And, you know, that was kind of a big awakening for me because I was a really good student and I always try to do, as you should when you're a kid, I, I tried to always give respect to my to my, uh, you know, professors, my teachers and authority figures and everything like that. But that's when I really started to question. It's funny the way that your life can go. Like some people will start to rebel and question authority and become like super liberal and like just do whatever and start doing sex, drugs and rock and roll and all that. Well, I guess I did. I did some things that were pretty bad. But as far as like my my values, my principles go, I really started to rebel to become conservative. I was like, wait, no. And so anyways, I remember that thinking, okay, I remember this thought really clearly that, okay, if all I need to know about these two guys, Bush versus Gore, because of course everybody's talking about it, it's a presidential year. All I need to know is their position on abortion because it's at that point I didn't know much more about politics, but that was enough. Bush was pro-life. Gore was a baby killer. There you go. Like it, it, when you're young, it's funny. You just have this ability to be like, whatever, that's it. It is what it is. And I still kind of have that in me somewhat, but obviously there's, there's a lot of things to think about, but it still is the same. Like until, until the left stops killing babies, if, even if there was nothing else to politics, um, that would be enough for me. And I hope it's enough for a lot of people. And I think it is. Um, so anyways, I heard Rush randomly in my old 87 Chevy Cavalier one day. Probably I was running out to get lunch because as a senior I could go drive around at lunchtime. And, you know, his show where I live is 9 a.m. to 12. So I heard him. And I was, I started listening, kept listening. Honestly, two weeks, that was it. I was hooked forever for since then. So whatever that's going to be, you know, 21 years, 20 good years two decades. And I would listen. I also started downloading his podcast as soon as that was a thing. I mean, he was on that. Like he was literally the first one I can think of. And Mark Levin would be shortly thereafter. Um, and he would, Mark Levin always had a podcast too. So those two guys, um, like, I feel like they were doing podcasts way before podcasts were podcasts. So always on the cutting edge of societal evolution, as he would say, and that is just a fact. I listened to Rush in good times and bad times. I worried about him when he had a health scare in Hawaii. I prayed for him during his addiction recovery. I cursed people's names and fought for him in public against so many people at so many different times when they would take things he said out of context. When I would have heard the whole show and then I would hear somebody say something ridiculous and call him racist. My brother, who's now very conservative at that 
time and then going into the next election cycle in 2004, especially, and then really into Obama years. Uh, my brother back then was very liberal and um, we would fight and argue a lot. And of course that, you know, Rush would, would help with all that because he, he knows the left better than they know themselves still right now. I'm sure he does. And he taught us that. And so I tried to learn. I, I, I've, I've been a student at the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies. It's a place where you don't get a degree because you never graduate because you keep learning. And I keep learning now, even to this day, they're, they're continuing his show. Um, and it's really great. They're, they're showing that his wisdom is like timeless and he's predicted so many things and it's kind of sad and kind of hard, but I'm glad that they're doing that. And I'm excited to see what they do to archive all of his thought because he has his books and they're great. And his young books are really great too. his Rush Revere series. But, um, you know, his show uh, I'm just excited to see how it gets archived and maybe organized. I hope that there was a plan, and I think it looks like there really was, where maybe you could do some really good keyword searches and find his wisdom on certain things. And I, I anticipate that they're they're working towards that. Something he would always say, um, I was a Rush subscriber, 24-7 subscriber for so long. I still am, actually. And... um in the when you're a subscriber and you're listening to the show, you don't have to hear commercials. You hear Rush commercials, so it could be uh, Paul Ankin, funny um, little, um, a lot of funny spoofs and stuff like that. But then there would also be these parts that were like talking about the future and how the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies would go on forever and. There would be an EIB museum, and you could see um, replicas of EIB-1. And I don't know what all of that means for the future, but I do know that I miss him. I miss him every day still, and I, I want to hear what he has to say about everything. But his passing away on Ash Wednesday, to me, is a sign that God has a plan for all of this. And, and Rush was actually blessed. I know he was. He said, talent on loan from God. And I actually, we all have that, right? Everything we have is on loan from God. Like he, he gave us everything. And Rush had cultivated such a strong faith, especially in that last year. He started to open up to us more about his faith. And I believe that him passing away on that day, was God telling all of us that even somebody like this is is dust, but I have a plan, I have him. And I I know he's I know he's still there and I know that I you know, I pray for him because I don't know if he's in purgatory or or I don't know exactly what the state of his soul is right now, but I know that he will be with God forever and I just can't wait to get to meet him. Always one of my dreams was that I would get to meet Rush. I had several really, really like crazy dreams that I woke up in Rush's mansion in Florida and that I was like, 
I remember one of them was me playing with his cat and just trying to find him. And then I got to meet him. And it was definitely in my subconscious. One of my big, big, big dreams was to meet him. And and it still is. I, I can't wait. And I love you, Rush. And I, I miss you so much. And I can't believe that you've left this this world. But we all are going to. And you showed us the way to be. And I will continue to be a student of the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies for as long as I have breath in my lungs. So God bless you, Maharishi. I love you. We are not sunk yet. We will never surrender. We will never give up. Never, never, never. It's not who we are. It's not what we do. We never give up. But my city was gone. There was no train station. There was no downtown. Downtown it disappeared.
Cahoga, 